Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Fantasy Live podcast. I am your host again today, Kendall Valenzuela, and I just get the the absolute privilege to be with the one and only Dwayne McFarland on this podcast. Dwayne, how's it going? It's been a while. It's been a while. This, yeah, this is total flashbacks for me. This is back to the season, hanging out on Sirius XM. I've missed it, Kendall. I, I know, mean, it's know, been forever. We, we like, that's the cool thing about fantasy life right now. Folks don't know. We kind of have like a lot of fun people to hang out with. We do. And so, I, yeah, I've been getting to hang out more with Ian. I got to do a draft a couple of weeks ago with Peter. And now I'm getting to hang out with you. You got to hang out with Chris Allen last I week. Did. So like, there's a lot of different ways to have fun at fantasy life. Yeah, we, we do. You know what? We do have cool people. And you got the band back together with you and Ian. I, I loved when we made that announcement. I literally just spent time just scrolling through the replies. I was just like, this is just a fun reunion. People Everyone really was cool. so yeah. happy about it. Everyone was so happy about it. So um, I'm glad we got to do that. Ian is Ian is gallivanting off somewhere in, in California, I believe. He's, he's just off. He's doing, you know, vacation things. So I'm here to step in. And I know that we are, Dwayne, two days away from the NFL draft. It's all coming together. We've got rumors swirling. We've got mock drafts to talk about. We've got your running back tiers to talk about as well. But I think we have to absolutely start with the uh, with the rumors because, you know, two days from the NFL draft, they get a little crazy. And, and so I think we just have to talk about some of them. The first one coming from Peter Schreger saying that when I read this, when you put this in the notes, Dwayne, I laughed. I laughed out loud. I, the, Peter Schreger is saying the Texans aren't scared to pass on a quarterback at number two aren't scared yeah. to pass on a quarterback at two. That's crazy. Yeah, it's the old, I ain't scared, you know? <laughs> kind of. They like, should be scared, Dwayne. They should be absolutely well, terrified they to should pass be. on a quarterback at I'm two. I'm with you. Um, but, it, it, you know, and there's another rumor that kind of ties in with this that Peter mm-hmm. King hinted on that we'll get to in a minute that ties back to the Texans. But this one's got a little bit of steam. It's been building for a while now. So, like, Lance Zierlein... You know, I know a lot of people are like, oh, some of the picks in his mock draft that he put out a couple of weeks ago, people were like, oh, that's lame. But Lance really knows the Texans. Um, Like he is there. He is in Houston. He is very dialed in. And he talked about this three weeks ago being a real possibility. He said he was not sold on them taking a QB second. Then since then, we've had basically all the national beat reporters, a lot of big names come out and confirm as much. Now, whether or not that's a smokescreen, to your point, they really need to be thinking about Mm -hmm. a franchise quarterback. But if for some reason they don't think one of these guys after Bryce Young is their guy, they could be willing to trade down. It sounds like that pick is open. The third pick with the Cardinals is also up for grabs. Um, we know Indy is really into you know taking a quarterback at four, but there's just a lot that could happen at the top of the draft, depending on what happens at two and three. And if the Texans really are willing to trade out of that or just go with a defensive player, that's going to change up a lot of mock. That's going to that's going to shake up a lot of uh, you know whose pockets are getting lined, you know, with dollars based on your draft props because a lot hinges on the Texans at two. It and that's that's the crazier part is that one it could blow everything up if, if that happens and they 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 just blow it up to start. It's so interesting to think about what could be with that pick because you look at the Texans and we know what they need. They need a they need a quarterback and they've done a really good job chipping away at that roster this offseason to just make it a little bit tighter and kind of steering the ship in a right direction. So it's. Not, I guess, unfathomable, like you said, to to think that maybe they're going to go a different direction. Maybe, Dwayne, it's Trey Lance. We've seen Trey Lance rumors going around. Maybe they like him. Or, you know, we're going to talk about the other things that it could be. But it's just 
for them to go to not select a quarterback at two and maybe they go get uh will anderson who they've been linked to a lot and say okay we're gonna go here and they like someone later i don't know it would just i i just i hope that the texans fans don't spiral during the draft if that happens that's all i'm thinking about is texans <laughs> fans just paper bag over their heads like what are we doing well, I will say, I think there are a lot more questions with all of the guys after Bryce Young. Bryce Young, there you is. have the size questions, but like has played really well against pressure, handled disguise coverage looks, um, you know, which you're going to see a lot more in the, in the, at the NFL level. Sorry, be good if I could talk today. Um, but that's something we've seen increasing over the last three to four seasons, more, you know, changing up the way the coverage looks right at the snap. That's something Bryce Young did really well in college. Also, another thing is his ability on the move. So in the scramble drill, Bryce Young is really one of the best quarterbacks we've seen in the last seven years based on PFF data. And if you look at the NFL level, the quarterbacks that are really just truly, you know, out of their mind, especially for fantasy players, you know, you got Josh Allen, you got Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers before this last year, that's what they're doing. They're, they're, they're creating these plays off script and Bryce Young really checks all of those boxes as much as we like. CJ Stroud and Anthony Richardson and even Will Levis, like they all have question marks. They don't check all of those boxes that really translate to the next level. So I do get it. Like I, I to me, I feel like the most likely thing here is the Texans are trying to leave it open to trade down. Right. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I, I can't imagine they're going to force a defender it to maybe they will. Um, but my thought process is if they can trade out of the pick, pick up some extra capital and then maybe still get a guy they like at 12, right? Or maybe they have another pick before 12 where they still have a shot at a quarterback they like. Maybe that's what they're trying to do. And I, I do get it from the standpoint of the other guys having more holes in their game than Bryce Young, but it is quarterback and you got to kind of swing away, especially when you're a team like the Texans that don't have anybody. So it's a tough, it's a, it will be tough for their fan base to your point. <laughs> if for some reason they just pivot off and go with like Will Anderson at defensive end. Yeah. And, and Nick Casario has come out and said, Hey, we're opening, we're open to listening, right? We know that that can, and I think that's an option for a lot of those teams over there we've heard the Cardinals have been linked to, to potentially trading. It's just, it's all out there on the table, but it is, it is man, Dwayne, if we start off the draft like that though, with, with some kind mm -hmm. of trade, they're not going quarterback. It's we're in for a long night already, but that's just going to be so entertaining. And I will say, did you see what they tweeted on, on Monday morning? Have you seen that tweet going around on Twitter? I don't know what it is. They say. had they oh my gosh, Dwayne, they had they had this they had this quote in in the most awful font you can think of. Think about the most awful font you've ever seen. And and it was just this quote saying failure is not an option, it's a necessity. Every misstep is a lesson learned. It was it was awful. Everyone's just like, "Oh my gosh, they're not getting a quarterback. They're going to draft someone <laughs> totally random." So I just you're have totally to say, if that, everybody up now. Oh, they're God. like, "Please don't be mad at us when we don't take a quarterback at two. And so they're setting themselves up. But <laughs> I, I that was a good rumor to start things off with. Another one from P Peter Schrager that you had written out today in our show sheet was tight ends. And we know just to preface this that this tight end class is one of the most talented tight end classes that we've seen in a long time. Everyone can go to fantasylife.com. You've got your tight end rookie supermodel rankings tiers out, out there right now. But this rumor said that Sam Laporta could go ahead of Darnell Washington in this, in this draft. Yeah, and I thought this one was really interesting because these are these two guys are really um, at polar opposite ends, right? Yes. So, so Darnell Washington is a guy that didn't earn a lot of targets at Georgia, played behind Brock Bowers, but even on like a per route basis, did, did not earn targets at the rate that you would expect someone that could go in the first round of the NFL draft, which he could. Um, 
but he was very explosive. So like as far as, you know, his, his receptions that went for at least 15 plus yards divided by his targets, like he was the best guy in the class. In fact, it was at the 34th percentile, which equals Jackson Smith and Jigba, who's a receiver, right? Who's going to go early in the first round. So Darnell Washington's this really explosive player. He's a big mismatch guy. He's huge. If he was, I, I talked about, you know, in our article where I wrote up the tight end tiers, like if he was a character on Game of Thrones, it would definitely be the mountain. This guy's just absolutely <laughs> huge. Laporte is the opposite. Like he's not as big, but he's just a major target earner, was not as explosive, didn't do some of the other things that Washington did. But like this is just a guy that even in a really bad offense was able to put up some decent numbers, um, was the number one guy really in the offense over his last two seasons at Iowa. And it's one of those colleges where we know they continue just to churn out these yeah. high-end tight ends, even though they may come in as three-star recruits. Like this goes back to George Kittle, to Noah Fant. If you want to go way back, you can go to like Dallas Clark. Like there's there's all these guys that went to Iowa. I don't know what's in the water there. But these guys come in as three-star recruits and they turn into superstars. Like if you look at his relative athletic score, it's really actually similar to George Kittle. So even though Darnell Washington's an absolute freak, really Laporta was not bad either. Like he's in like the top 50, the top 60, like all time back to 1987 and relative athletic score. It just got a little bit overshadowed because guys like Washington and Musgrave came out and did what they did at their size at the combine. So I thought this one was really interesting. So like, yeah. if you think that the number one attribute a player needs to have is the ability to earn targets, Laporta does grade out better than Darnell Washington. If you're more worried about the upside and can they just continue to develop at the next level? I think, a team that has that mindset's probably going to go with Darnell Washington, but I did find that really interesting from Schrager. Yeah, and I think it was a good point for you to point out too that these are two completely different tight ends with you know, you put them in different teams, they're going to be used differently. So some teams are going to look at him at 63245 and say he's uh, you know, a productive pass catcher, like you had said, in, in your tiers. And the, they could look at this draft class and say with the tight ends, we want it. We want Laporta for something different than another team could use Darnell Washington for. So you already mentioned, hey, they've got George Kittle. They've got Noah Fant. They've got all those guys coming out of Iowa. Do you, just to put you on the spot a little bit, do you see a team, if I said a, a team is going to select Sam Laporta in, in front of Darnell Washington, do you know a team that he would fit into if they wanted to get him before Washington? Um, I think he could play anywhere. It might take him a little longer to get on the yeah. field. On the field. Um, but like he is, like like we talked about, he's an athletic guy, 6'3", 245. That's really close to what George Kittle is. Um, so, I mean, theoretically, you would think maybe he's someone that won't really develop into a good blocker, which Darnell Washington is already a really incredible blocker. So I would say Washington has a clearer path to being an every down guy because we know he can block. And then, you know, whatever he develops as far as his pass catching ability will be, you know, some teams could think of that as just being a plus, you know, because mm -hmm. Darnell Washington, like some people are still projecting he could move to tackle at the NFL. Oh like that's God. how good of a blocker he is. So um, they, it is really unique, but a guy like Laporta could be great. Like in a, in a play action scheme where you're getting in the, the mismatches against linebackers, safeties, things like that. He's mm -hmm. not a minus athlete by any, by any means. Like, like I said, like his testing numbers were really good, but he played with really bad quarterbacks at Iowa. So we don't yeah. know how much of that was what was dragging down. Like, um, you know, his yards per route run and some of the things where he was a little bit lower in his scores. But I think Laporta can play anywhere. It just might be a factor of does it take two to three years before he can develop into having the play strength to be an every down kind of tight end that can get on the field enough. But it's somewhere where he could play in the slot right away, Kendall, like that would be the kind of team you would be looking for. Some A team that likes to run a lot of 11 personnel, maybe they don't mm -hmm. have a slot receiver already on their team 
or even when they go to heavy personnel, they still pass the ball a lot. Like that's the kind of team stylistically where Laporta could make noise maybe earlier in his career. And that's what I, I know that you and Ian kind of push it out there that it's really you don't get a lot of production out of first year tight ends, right? That's what you guys always say. It's don't expect a lot, no matter who it is. Uh, you kind of have to wait a little bit on it. But I will say, Dwayne, before we get to, to the next rumor, I am so excited about this this tight end class. Uh, just just from your tears alone and looking at all the rumors going around with Laporta with Washington with Kincaid with Michael Mayer it's just I'm really interested to see where some of these guys land because a lot of rumors are coming out right now about this tight end class and and who's going to go where so I think I think that's one that I'm really looking forward to on on Thursday Friday and Saturday yeah me too and we'll see what happens like there could be as many as four tight ends go in the first round the record is three now that's happened multiple times um, but there's a decent chance we get three and there's an outside chance you get four. I, I don't think we'll get four, but the, uh, it, there is an outside chance that that happens. Okay. So, so we'll, we'll go to our friends at BetMGM. We'll go, we'll go see what that line is and we'll, we'll text Elliot and we'll see, uh, we'll see if we'll get good, get good, good money on that. How's that? We'll do that after. Yeah. That would be a fun <laughs> one to bet if that's up for sure. It would, it would be, it would be, we'll take a look. Um, another, another rumor we wanted to hit Todd McShay. Dwayne, if this, I'm excited for this one. Seattle won't leave round one without a quarterback. I'll say it again. Seattle won't leave round one without a quarterback. They've got two picks in the first round, and Todd McShay is saying that, hey, he could see uh, a couple quarterbacks if they're if they're out there, if they're still on the board, that they are okay with going to get him. Yeah, and I put this one in just for you. I saw Seattle, so I, I, I was like, I have I to have something that. in here about Seattle. And so, Todd <laughs> McShay, thank you. You made that very easy for me uh, this morning as we were thinking through the show sheet. But... Yeah, I mean, they've got the two picks, so it makes sense. Uh, Gino really came out of nowhere last year to have a yep. great season. They've locked him up for a few years, and this just puts them in a really good spot. And I will say, after you know, Young goes, like some of these guys really probably are a little more developmental, you know. And it would be nice if you could let them learn behind someone like a Gino. So if you're talking about an Anthony Richardson, if you're talking about a Will Levis, those are guys that. They've definitely got traits. They've got major upside as far as their talent profile goes. But are they really ready, right? Are they ready? Yeah. Or could they use more NFL coaching and more time really honing in their craft before they're really put, you know, under the gun, if you would, you know, if you will, and they're just thrown out there, you know, to have to deal with all the different coverages and all the blitzing and all the different things that NFL coordinators love to do to rookie quarterbacks. So I I like what McShay has here. It will be interesting to see what happens, but we just talked about it earlier at pick two. You have the Texans acting like they're open to moving yeah. down um, or doing something different at pick three. We know the Cardinals are probably not in the quarterback market. They've got Kyler Murray and all of their, uh, you know, at least all the smoke signals yes. we've got pre-draft have been that they're not looking at a quarterback there. Yeah. Um, so unless two teams trade into those two spots or at least one of those spots, there's really a good chance you know, Seattle's going to be sitting there at five and there's going to be a quarterback on the board that they're going to like. And if not, they still have another pick later in the round, yeah. right? And that's where a name like Hendon Hooker or some of these other guys could come in depending on what they like. So um, I think it's a, obviously it's a smart move. You've got the one good year from Geno, but that's all we really have is one good yeah. year. Can he keep that up? And so if you've got two quarterbacks on the roster, you really feel good about, well, like what's wrong with that? A little insurance, a little insurance, just in case they don't know what what comes out of it. And I think that's really important, too, when you look at the deal that Geno Smith got, is that it's really easy for them to walk away after that first year. You know, they, people have called it a team-friendly deal. I know that 
um, over the cap, it, he carries a $10.4 million cap hit in 2023. So it's very easy to look and say, okay, depending on what happens in 2023, we could have our future. Maybe it's, you know, I'm, I'm just going to start manifesting like we did on Friday, Dwayne with Chris. I'm just going to start manifesting Anthony Richardson uh, to the Seattle Seahawks and just kind of put it out there. But I want to know too, because Peter and I, Peter Overzet and I have had this conversation before, and I want your, your thoughts on, do you like taking those swings on rookie quarterbacks? Because Peter, Peter is someone that says, take a chance on them, see what happens. If they don't work out, okay, try it again. Is that kind of a mindset that you see, especially with a quarterback class like this, where it feels like it's Bryce Young and then everyone else? Hopefully, maybe you're going to hit, and if you don't, all right, let's try it again. Yeah, for me, it's really where you make that bet is Anthony Richardson just because mm -hmm. of the rushing upside. Like he's not the best, you know, NFL prospect immediately out of the gate out of these quarterbacks. I would still say that's probably Bryce Young. But when you're talking fantasy, right, and you're looking for the upside, which is the quarterback that could give you seven to nine hundred yards rushing, right? They could score yeah. seven to ten rushing touchdowns. And then anything they get on top of that is really just icing on the cake from a passing standpoint. And that gives you the upside to get to like a Jalen Hurts ceiling, you know, a Josh Allen of ceiling. And we've seen this for you, Kendall. Um, you know, we've seen get guys like Tim Tebow come out and give us really good fantasy production. T Taysom Hill, not a good NFL passer, has given us very viable fantasy finishes when he's had to play quarterback for the Saints. And so I feel like at a minimum, Anthony Richardson could play as well as those two guys. Yeah. And so if he takes over a starting position somewhere and all of a sudden he surprises us and makes this big leap forward, you could be really sitting on a gold mine. And it all obviously comes down to average, you know, draft position is ADP. And right now with Richardson, it is starting to creep up there, but I still feel like it's in the range to Pete's point where there's enough upside there, especially if you kind of ignored quarterback early on and you're wanting to take a few swings because all you're looking for is like, well, if I do hit, do I have a chance to have a quarterback that could rival the guys that are in the top four, five, and six? Because if you don't, like, there's a lot of pocket passers that you could, mm -hmm. you could get later in your fantasy draft. Or you could pair with a guy like Richardson, especially if you're, you know, playing something like best ball. Yeah. Hey, that's that's why you want to throw it out there just in case. But I really am. I'm excited for a potent, potential Anthony Richardson uh, draft. If we're on the stream and we will say you have to be watching our stream on Thursday. But if, if that happens and I'm, I'm there with you, Dwayne, I'm just I, I'm going to freak out. I'll need a, I need a few moments, kind of walk away from the computer and say, OK, I just I got to get my order in of a jersey. I don't know what's going to happen, but, but it'll be exciting. Just going through these uh, rumors uh, a little quicker and we'll get into your running back tiers. Uh, Hendon, Hendon Hooker inside the top 20. Do you believe that that could happen? I've when you put that in the draft sheet or in the show sheet, I was looking around, I was looking at the draft rumors and yeah, and he's visiting the Commanders and the Packers this week as well. So there's there's a lot of buzz with him right now too. Yeah, and he's a guy that's really picking up steam now. Yeah. I, I don't I don't see him as a first round pick, but he plays quarterback. And so if some of these other guys are gone and, and none of the other four quarterbacks we've already talked about slide down the board, you do have a lot of teams that are sitting down there, Kendall, that, you know, like the Buccaneers, um, you know, they need a quarterback. Tom Brady's gone, probably not going to have a chance at the other top four guys. So it just really depends on the kind of grade they have on Hendon Hooker. But Peter King followed on with that. He has Hendon Hooker at number 12 to the Texans wow. in his mock draft. Oh, so, I mean, 
there's obviously something going on here to have McShay come out and say what he did. And then to also have Peter King, um, you know, back that up by putting in that he's not going to put him that high in his mock draft for no reason. That doesn't guarantee mm-hmm. he's going at pick 12, but there's definitely buzz around him and hooker. Um, I think he's dicey. He's an older quarterback prospect. He didn't yeah. really blow up until his last two years at Tennessee. Now last year, they just, you know, they were shredding with Jalen Hyatt. They had Cedric Tillman and they were doing it against the very best teams uh, in the sec and they were just they were just toasting them. So I mean, you have to give him Hen and Hooker props for what he did. I feel like he's more like I would cap him more as like a second round pick. But again, quarterbacks are hard to come by, and if teams fall in love, it only takes one for someone like Hen and Hooker to go in the mid first round or late first round. I would be I would be astonished if he went at pick twelve. Like <laughs> talk about craziness um, to the Houston Texans if they took somebody different at pick two. But uh, you know, there's definitely steam picking up behind this one. Talk about, I mean, talk about us saying, hey, we're, we're thinking of the fans in this moment. If they go Hendon Hooker at 12, I you, you're going to have to check on every single Houston Texans fan that you know, because that would be insane. And you and you kind of mentioned it like he is he is older. He's he turned 25 in January and that he could become the second oldest quarterback selected in the first round. In, dra- in modern draft history, Brandon Whedon, I'm looking, was the last one in 2012. So for him to be that old with the upside when you know that a Bryce Young is turning 22, CJ Stroud won't turn 22 until after the regular season starts, that's an older guy that you have to be careful of. There's no there's no way, Dwayne, right? There's no way. I would think there's no way. But the next guy is just is, no is another surprising one that I can't believe. Jonathan Mingo. Yeah. Is that your next one? Jonathan Mingo yeah. could be a top Ole Miss wide receiver. Jonathan Mingo could be a top 50 pick is something that came out. And I will, you know, that one, is, that one is it's the same thing. It's just as weird because you look at the prospects in this class and you say, okay, he did have a, what, a, a what did you write? A nine, nine relative athletic score. If I'm, if I'm thinking about it correctly. Well, yeah, Mingo is, he's a guy that tested really well. athletically and he has size and so in this class one of the things you are lacking remember about two weeks ago we got all this buzz about Cedric Tillman going in the first round and I think these two things are really kind of tied back together there's not a lot of size at the wide receiver position in this draft you've got a lot of guys so if a Mm -hmm. team is really feeling they need to fill a need with a larger type wide receiver. And especially if they want one, they think still could potentially develop into someone explosive as far as a downfield target would go. Well, Mingo's immediately going to fit into that profile. Now, what I'll say about him, like our rookie supermodel did not like Mingo just because he wasn't very productive. He never really was a target earner. He didn't do a lot from an explosive target rate standpoint. And so while he tested really well, a lot of the things that people want to project for him, he's not really ever shown on the football field. So I think he's definitely much more of a project. Um, I don't think he should be a second round pick. I think he would be much better as a fourth round pick. Like if someone was asking me, no GM is asking me, but if they did, <laughs> I'll be like, look, if you're just really going to get excited about him, okay, but like, let's not take him before the fourth round. But again, all it takes is one, just takes one of these teams. So even if he got taken in the second round, though, he's not going to move up that much in our model just because he scored so badly in all the other production areas. And that doesn't mean a guy can never make it right. The draft mm-hmm. capital will move him up. It will make him higher in the model. But at the same time, it won't put him in a range where like the hit rates are really um, are, are really large. And we just haven't seen a strong history of guys with his profile, even once they get the draft capital turning into a lot at the next level. But never say never, Kendall.
I feel like in this in this year's draft, Dwayne, when when I'm reading all this stuff and I'm uh, you know, we always get rumors, we always get some fun things going around, especially days days out from the draft. But names like Jonathan Mingo and and and, Ho- and Hooker and and some of these guys, this draft feels like there could be a lot of surprises in it only because it's not as strong of a draft class as we've seen over the last two or three years, right? We've been, we've been absolutely just blessed with really good talent coming out and, and seeing some of these guys go and, and what has happened in the last couple of years. But this year it feels like if some teams are not sold on a guy, especially in those later picks in round one, that we could see some movement and we could see some, some guys getting picked up that we didn't necessarily expect because maybe they're just, it's just not as strong of a draft class. Yeah, I think it's stronger at certain positions, but I think yeah. receiver is one where it definitely lends itself. And again, not a lot of guys with size. So if that's what you're looking for as a team, it could really cause certain guys to move higher than what we would typically than where we would typically think they would go in a draft. And I think you can say that across all the different positions. It does depend on what mm-hmm. teams are looking for, how much they value size versus you know, historical production versus athletic testing. You know, every team kind of has their own way of looking at that. Just like we build out a model, they've got their own, you know, analytical tools and all the different things that they like to, you know, really lean into, you know, and some of them care less about that, right? They just care about what the coach wants. So those are all wild cards that make it really hard to predict. And it's what makes the draft so much fun, that unpredictability. Yeah, it's it's a it's a good time and that's that's why we're gonna be here on Thursday and we're really excited for it. But I think we're in store for some kind of crazier stuff. So I do wanna I do wanna get into your your running back tiers. And again, fantasylife.com, everyone can go check out the rookie supermodel tiers going into it. But some rumors that we are still talking about, Bijan Robinson and Jameer Gibbs. You have uh Schrager saying both are gonna go in round one. You have Todd McShay saying some teams don't have Gibbs far behind Bijan Robinson. You've got Peter King saying if there was some way to climb into the 20s to nab an explosive back, Jameer Gibbs, coach Mike McDaniel would love to do it. So you've got all these things. I've been seeing it a lot, Dwayne, Jameer Gibbs, uh, Bijan Robinson. But in your tiers, it's just it's one that stands above the rest. And it's Bijan. The answer is always Bijan, a generational talent, someone that's built in a lab. You I don't think we could ever talk with you and say, oh, is are they close? Because it's really it's not close. It's Bijan Robinson. That's the right answer. Yeah, but it is really interesting. Like with Gibbs picking up all the steam, if he's going to end up being a first round pick, that will help him in the model. So the way that the running back supermodel works, the number one factor that really correlates to future fantasy points in their first two to three seasons is draft capital. The next thing is really their adjusted total yards per team attempt. So all you're doing is you're taking the rushing yards, you take their receiving yards times two, you divide it by the team attempts and the games that they played. And that kind of gives you a way to normalize the data. But those are the two top factors, and Bijan does really well in both of those. Um, He's going to be the first back off the board. But what I will say with Mm -hmm. Bijan, what's amazing, Kendall, is even if he were to fall to pick 52, so that would be in the second round, he would still grade out at the 100th percentile in the model going back to the 2017 class. Well, think about some of the running backs we've seen drafted, you know, since 2017. We've had CMC, we've had Saquon Barkley. There's a lot of guys that have done really well, and he's just hyper, hyper productive. So if you look at Bijan, you know, he averaged 135 total yards per game over his career. Like, it's like a who's who's list whenever I read all the names of the running backs that have done that. Jonathan Taylor at 160, Aaron Jones at 151, Kareem Hunt 
at 142, Dalvin Cook, 142, Leonard Fournette, 135, Christian McCaffrey, 135. Like that group collectively has put up a ton of top six running back finishes. So there's just so much to love about Bijan. He broke out early, you know, as a freshman. Um, he was a five-star recruit. He was the number one running back recruit, you know, in the nation the year that he came out in 2020. Um, so yeah, it's just everything for him stacks up. And then like, if you look at his, his explosive play rate, you look at his miss, his missed tackles force per attempt, Kendall 0.29. That's in the 100th percentile since, since we've been collecting the data, um, over at PF, since PFS been collecting that data, um, for his career. And then like his average yards after contact, like, so this is a guy that he can make you miss. He can hit the home run. He can catch the ball and he can just run over you. Like he can do everything. He really is like that. You know, in baseball, we talk about a five tool player. Mm -hmm. um, and he's not just a guy that can just do those things. He's a guy that excels at every one of those. So sometimes we hear the term generational prospect probably gets thrown around too much in fantasy. And I know it turns yes. a lot of people off. But with Bijan, like it's a deserving label to put on him. Like everything about his data profile tells us that he is going to be awesome. Yeah. And, and it's so funny when you look at everything that you had just said, you know, his, he's got a 95.3 PFF grade last season, averaging the 6.1 yards per attempt. And it's just everything around him is, is incredible. Especially when I talk to you, you go, oh my gosh, I just watched Bijan clips. And it's, you're just like, oh, he's incredible. He's amazing. And he is one of those guys in, especially in this draft this year where people joke a little bit too much about, Hey, the running backs have been devalued a little bit. Hey, running backs don't matter that much. And when you look Look around though i mean Bijan robinson is is the guy in this draft you said generational talent that's what he is and so whoever ends up getting him is going to get someone that's going to be a, a playmaker for a really long time and it just kind of throws everything out the window when people say oh running backs don't matter you know the position's devalued a little bit no you want to go whoever has a shot of getting Bijan robinson is is going to take the shot yeah and i mean i get it if a team doesn't want to take him in the top 15 picks just because then you've got to use a pick uh, you know, on a running back, which ultimately, you know, you don't have to pay as much in the long term, even when you give them their second contract. So why not spend that pick on a more premium position that, you know, if you yes. hit, it's going to cost you a lot more in the future. You also know that it make, it's going to correlate more strongly to helping your team win more games. So even though Bijan's generational, like a lot of the things that the analytics bros you know, talk about with running backs not mattering, those things are still all in play. Um, but here we care about it mostly because like we're looking at the fantasy, you know, mm -hmm. value. Um, and if he lands with a team, like say he goes in the top 10 picks for some reason, like Arthur Smith, someone like that yeah. in Atlanta, you know, decides to pull the trigger. There's been talks of him maybe going at nine. Um, like the nice thing for draft capital is you just know you get more chances. Um, you know, the team, once they've spent that pick on you, like they're going to give you every chance in the world to succeed. And not that Bijan's going to really need that. I, I anticipate no matter where he goes and what pick it's at, he's like still going to still going to succeed, but it's still just a nice thing. Like for, for fantasy managers, like if he goes in the top 10, obviously he can't get any higher than the hundredth percentile. Um, but it's not, it's another nice thing that we would like. The Falcons are, are a team that you had said. I've, I've seen little rumors to the Philadelphia Eagles if they get them. No, I mean, no team ran the ball higher than Arthur Smith's Falcons in 2023. So the Falcons could be a fun one if he lands there. Same with the Eagles. The rich get richer if he goes to the Eagles. Yeah, for sure. Like those would both be, and, and you know, like the Eagles kind of have a quote unquote 
luxury pick, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, again, you got to be careful about the way you run your team, but we're talking about fantasy. We would love Bijan. We would love it. In either, in either one of those places. Um, all right. Going to then Jameer Gibbs, uh, that he is in tier two. I will say again, at fantasylife.com to go check out uh, the super model running back tiers. But this is the start of tier two. Jameer Gibbs out of Alabama, 5'9", 199. What, what do you look at when you see Jameer Gibbs that makes people... Some people have Jameer Gibbs, you know, over Bijan Robinson. We've seen talk about rumors. We've seen a lot of those on Monday and today they come out and say, "Hey, I, I like him more." What would make people like Jameer Gibbs a little bit more than Bijan? Um, it's probably the pass catching profile would be the best thing I could I could point to. Otherwise, like Bijan is really superior in every way, and Bijan's fine. Like in the mm-hmm. in the in the receiving game, Bijan thirty percent of his targets went for 10 plus yards. That's also in the hundredth percentile since 2017. So like Bijan, like it's just, it's mind blowing, like all the things he's done, but Jameer Gibbs did demand more targets in college than what we saw with Bijan. In fact, like that's a big part, I believe of where a lot of the comps, like it's pretty rare to get this many people comping Jameer Gibbs, like a running back to one player, but you've got mm-hmm. Daniel Jeremiah, you've got Lance Zierlein, both of NFL.com. Then you've got Dane Brugler from over at the athletic. You can check his stuff out over in the beast and the athletic. Those guys all have him comp to Alvin Kamara. Yeah. And so again, if you talk about him as a pass catching back, what does the data say? Well, the data, if I hadn't even heard that from any of them, and that's why I start with the data, then I start watching the film. Even if I hadn't heard any of those guys say that, Kendall, the the comp, the model would have given is Alvin Kamara. And so Kamara yeah. had a 33% targets per route run over his collegiate career, um, played three seasons. If we look at Gibbs, 25%. The other name that comes up is Christian McCaffrey, who is at a 27%. If we want to look at yards per route run, again, another mark where they're really close. Gibbs' career yards per route run was 2.47. McCaffrey was the best we've seen at 2.81. Right after him was Kamara at 2.48. Again, wow. Gibbs, 2.47. So these guys are all, he's comping really close to them. Explosive target rate, 18%. CMC was 21%. Um, Kamara was actually, or sorry, he was not, uh, Gibbs was actually one percentage point above Kamara and explosive target rate. So like across the board in the receiving metrics, Gibbs is really close to those guys. I would say he's a just slight notch below them. Okay. But there are a lot of concerns where people are like, well, he's 199 pounds. They didn't really ever use him a ton in the rushing game. Like um, over the course of his career, you know, he accounted for 40%, you know, of his team's career rushing attempts. But like, if you go back and look at Christian McCaffrey, he was only 46% during his time in college. And also McCaffrey, when he came out, weighed 205. Gibbs is at 199. Kamara was a little heavier, but he was only used on 22% of the rushing attempts in college over the course of his career. So I get some of the concerns people have, but I think sometimes we're just trying to find a way to knock a guy down. And for me, like being right almost at 200 pounds with the explosive play rate he has, the ability to catch balls out of the backfield, I still feel like Gibbs is very clearly the number two running back in the class, and he is in a tier by himself. Um, He came in at the 83rd percentile, and so Kendall, since 2017, backs to a clip 80%. 60% of them have gone on to have a top six season. So that's pretty good company to be in. And that's in their first two to three seasons. So Gibbs is in really good company, um, you know, and his floor looks really good as well. Like, let's say he doesn't hit that top six rate, like the hit rate of being at least a top 24 back with his kind of profile is even higher. So I feel like Gibbs is a guy that really should be going like with the second or third pick in most rookie drafts. 
And when you, because you mentioned the beast, and we absolutely over at the athletic. If if you want to go check it out, it's it's great information to have going into going into the draft, especially. But I did read, and something I wanted to bring up with you that I highlighted is maybe the cons of a guy like Jameer Gibbs. And you've mentioned his size again, five nine, one ninety nine. But a con that came up uh, quite frequently when looking through it is that he doesn't fit an every down mold, and that's from from again the athletics of the beast and saying that GMs might have a tough time slotting him. In to their offense due to his side there's uh due to his size there's questions about you know the pass blocking getting getting those extra yards is there anything there that you see too that yes that there there could there's always going to be cons to some of these guys' games but for him to be in tier two all by himself before even you know before tier three that we get into um there there are some things to question a little bit uh, and i think you know i think they're all fair but yeah. I'm not really concerned about those things just because of how good he is as a receiver out of the backfield. Remember, okay. pe- there there were folks that didn't think CMC could be an every down back. There were folks that definitely didn't think Alvin Kamara could be because he was not taken, you know, until the third round of the NFL draft. Um, you don't you don't let a talent like Kamara slip if you think that he can do what he's doing now and be an every down player. So another name I would give you is Austin Eckler. I mean, Austin Eckler weighed 198 pounds coming out of college, um, and he's very similar archetype right to what we see with Gibbs so I think in today's NFL these are guys yeah you you, I I would advise not giving them the ball 300 times between the tackles but there's a lot of ways for a player like this to get to 275 300 touches by getting them you know you know 100 targets in the passing game get them 70 balls you know receptions and then you can turn around and give them 220 rushing attempts and you don't have to give them everything just between the tackles but we've seen guys like Kamara and CMC. Now they've both battled injuries more recently, but we've seen them handle those sort of workloads. So I think it's it's still in the range of outcomes for Gibbs, and I think he has a lot of a lot of outs um, because of his profile as an explosive playmaker and his ability out of the backfield as a receiver. To where it's just it's going to be, in my opinion, it's going to be hard for him to miss at the next level unless there's just something else going on with him that you know we can't see in in the scouting process. Do you have an ideal fit before we move on to the next one? Ideal fantasy fit for Dwayne McFarlane with Jameer Gibbs that we would be. I think he can play. About? I think he can play anywhere, but okay. like I think he would be the guy that like the Chiefs honestly had hoped Ooh. that they were getting with Clyde Edwards-Helaire. Like this is the much. I think when you look at Gibbs, like what he can do, explosive explosiveness wise, he has a lot more in the tank than what we saw with CEH. That's been his downfall. Um, Clyde Edwards-Alaire has just not been able to break the long plays, gets caught from behind. They kind of tried to get it going with him, you know, over the last few years. But I think Gibbs has enough juice that he could be an absolute difference maker in an offense like that. Like, I I would love for him to land somewhere that likes to pass the ball a lot, and he wins that passing down role in training camp. And that pretty much nearly puts him into an every down role right away. Obviously, the Chiefs, Bills, teams like that, obviously jump to the fourth to the forefront, but Gibbs can play anywhere. Man, talk about the rich get richer, Dwayne. I mean, we're saying we want Bijan to the Eagles or to the Falcons, and then we're saying, oh yeah, and then Jameer well, the Gibbs Dolphins is going to go to the Chiefs. For Gibbs. Yeah, I've, I've seen I've seen the Dolphins one. Yeah, the Dolphins. The Dolphins are an interesting one too because, like, you've got those speedy offensive weapons, and then you add that other level by getting one of the faster running backs in this class, and then you you know you pair them with what Raheem Mostert and and Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle, and you call it a day. That's a, that's a yeah. good that's a good fit too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we would be just looking for Gibbs to take that backfield over. Yeah. Um, that's what the hope would be. You know, they might keep it like a, a rotation the first would year, but that would be a good game. offense to land in. I mean, it's no. very explosive, high upside, could score a lot of touchdowns in an offense like that. 
That could be a good one. All right, tier three. We've got uh, Zach Char Charbonnet, right? I'm saying that right. I've been yeah, I've been looking you at it. you. I'm I'm making sure six foot two hundred and fourteen pounds. You know, started at Michigan, uh, went on then and and he went on transfer to UCLA where he I mean he dominated that. I know Dwayne. I'm Pac-12. I'm Arizona State, so it's not hard when I say he dominated the Pac-12. I will put a little asterisk by that, but he did have a, a good season over there at UCLA, and he he lands the you know the first guy in your tier three. Yeah. So. With Charbonnet, what I'll say, um, you know, the NFL teams, they like his size. You know, we talked about, uh, you know, Jameer Gibbs just a second ago is a little bit smaller than this, but six foot, 214. So he definitely checks those boxes. Um, you know, his career yardage per, you know, adjusted yardage per team attempt is is not great. You know, it was 1.72. That's the 52nd percentile but he was really good in his best season, which was his senior year, um, you know, at UCLA where he really blew it out of the water. So that helped him a lot, you know, in the model, um, not great after contact, but he is a guy that you can use down inside the five yard line. So he's going to have an opportunity to score touchdowns at the next level. Um, and he's a guy that just, you know, he does everything pretty well, Kendall. Like he's not a guy that you look at and you're like, Oh my God, there's this one trait where you're like, Oh my, like nobody else can match this, but he's pretty well rounded back. He's not as good as Gibbs in the passing game. Not as, not quite as good probably as Bijan either. But he's a guy that if he landed on a team that just had really one good offensive weapon in the receiving game, um, he could be a guy that could catch a lot of check downs. He has very capable hands. He's just not yeah. someone you're going to design a lot of passing attempts to if you've already got you know, two really good wide receivers and a good tight end, right? He's not going to catch a lot of balls in a scenario like that. But if he lands in a, in a spot where they're kind of starved for playmakers or, you know, as the season goes on, chaos happens, players get mm -hmm. hurt. He could find himself suddenly in a role where he's very capable, you know, of catching the football and adding value that way. So he's one of these guys. Um, he comps, you know, similarly to like a Royce Freeman who didn't hit at the next level. Cam Akers is another name. And, you know, Cam okay. Akers is like the guy that everybody wants to write off. But every time he gets a chance, like, what does he do? He just kind of comes out there and does his thing, you know, and, you know, whenever he's given the chance to have that every down roll, volume really is king. And so I do think this is a back that could ultimately get that opportunity at some point in his career. I think he's a little more dangerous in his in year one. I like him more in dynasty. I like him more in rookie drafts. Landing spot will matter more for him than the first two guys. I think the first two guys, obviously, landing spot matters, but I think they're so good. They're going to carve out a role immediately. Charbonnet is a guy that if he landed in the wrong spot, we might not see him a lot year one. Okay. Right? He may only be out there a little bit, but if he did land in a spot where they're running back starved or the starter went down, he could have a lot of value in best ball or redraft this season. We'll just have to see, you know, where does he end up getting drafted to? Two names people love, Royce Freeman and Cam Akers, Dwayne. It's just you, like, you're, you're getting everyone. About, like, as I was reading it, I was like, you're like, getting everyone on, to like, sign up. Just they're talking about Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara <laughs> yeah, and for go. Gibbs. And then we're like, oh, Royce Freeman and Cam Akers. They're uh, like, yeah, I feel sign bad. me up, I sign me up, Dwayne. <laughs> but he's a guy that, the point being, like, you give him the volume. Like, yeah, it can, it no. Can, it can totally be there for him. And here's what I'll say. Like, where he graded out in the model, like his tier in the model, Yes, it is a step down from what we talked about with some of the other guys, but still 32% of these guys, Kendall, have gone on to have a top six finish. That's not yeah. terrible. And top 24 finish in the range that he's at in the model, 63%. Now, again, our model is based on data back to the 2017 class because we're trying to use more advanced stats like explosive play rate, missed tackles force, all those sort of things. That data only goes back to 2014, right? So if you're looking for players that have had a chance to have a good amount of that data coming out. You can really only go back to the 2017 class, mm -hmm. but 
based on the short amount of data that we've got, like those are still really good hit rates. So it all depends on ADP for him, but I'm still willing to take a shot on him later in best ball drafts, just depending on what happens. Um, because we have seen these sort of backs turn into something at the next level when they're given the opportunity. Exactly. And that's, you know, I may, I make fun, but it is something we know that, you know, this could be a name in come week 12 that we bring him up because like you said, Hey, an injury has happened and you need to know who he is, who's behind him. It's always a next man up mentality with that. And so I think the combination of being a more powerful runner who can also catch passes gives him that extra juice to be like, okay, this is someone, this, there's a reason why he's first on your tier three list. And sure, you know, there are cons, like you said, like he, he not, not elite speed or quickness or anything like that. So he's not going to be one of the more flashy guys, I think is what, when I was reading what you kind of put down, Dwayne, not, not going to be that flashy right. playmaker kind of guy, but in an ideal fit, he can be, he can be that guy. I think you said, you know, he could reach 30 or 40 receptions per year, uh, depending, depending on where he goes, because he, he, he is that kind of running back. Yeah. And again, like he's the guy that kind of can check all the boxes for a lot of the teams, not special in any one area, but he checks enough of the boxes that he could earn that every down roll, especially if, you know, he lands in the right spot. Yeah, exactly. And then going in and continuing on your uh, on your tier three right after uh, right after him, Devin. Now we we've had we've I've had I've had to talk to people about how you say his last name, Dwayne. So I'm going to let you do it and see if I was a chain, right? A chain. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. I've heard, I've heard everything under the sun and it hasn't been a chain. So we're going to let you all know Devin a chain, Texas A&M 58188. Man, when I was reading and when I was looking, looking through stuff, going through these uh, running back tiers, Dwayne speed fast. That's, that's the one thing that everyone has, has read bolded highlighted is that this guy is fast and, and he comes in right at number four in your tier three. Yeah, for sure. And I can say I have to hang out with way too many Aggies. And so <laughs> believe me, I've heard this name for a long you know. time now, uh, you know, and so, yeah, you, you hit it on the head with him. He's a little smaller. He's five foot yep. eight, 188. Um, we talked about Gibbs a moment ago being 199. That's a pretty big difference. And so you don't see a lot of guys, Kendall, at this size come through at the next level. Like the last one that we've seen based on this shorter historical data profile that we're looking at back to two guys that have come out since 2017, the last one was Philip Lindsay, right? And he was an undrafted guy, but he ended up with a top 24 finish. Um, he was at 190 pounds, or he might actually been a little bit less. I'd have to go back and look, mm -hmm. but he's he's the only guy like since then. Now, if we go back further, there are guys that have come through that have been smaller, more in this profile, but you really did hit it. The name of the game with him is really about that ex the explosiveness. So he was in the 75th percentile um, as far as explosive rush rate. So those are carries that went for 10 plus yards or more. Um, which is really good. 20% um, is in that 75th percentile. Um, he never was a huge workload guy, kind of similar to what we talked about with Gibbs. But again, you can go back and talk about guys like CMC. You can talk about guys like Kamara. They also were not huge workhorses on the ground. 46% um, is the number that he never topped as far as A-chain goes, as far as the percentage of Texas A&M's mm -hmm. rushing attempts. But still, 46%, like, in college, you run the ball a lot more. Like, that's not necessarily a bad thing. So I don't use that to knock him too much. A little bit worried about the size, but what I would like for him is I do think landing spot matters a little bit more. You're wanting him to land somewhere with a creative schemer, if you will, that knows mm -hmm. how to create those mismatches. I'm kind of back to like, if you think back to Tevin Coleman's rookie year, Tevin Coleman never turned into this true every down back, and he was bigger than this. But you saw 
Kyle Shanahan really figure how to use him more as like this kind of joker he would line up and do different things with get him interesting looks out of the backfield and create mismatches against, you know, linebackers and safeties where he could basically just get his pure line speed and play and create, you know, really big chunk plays. So for mm-hmm. a chain, I think that's what you're looking for is if you could get him some, and another name that's been associated with the dolphins is this. And okay. if you, if you go back and you look at like, even back to, to Mike Shanahan, like this scheme, Gary Kubiak, there's kind of two, different types of backs they like. They like the more patient back that can really read the holes, put one foot in the ground and just and make that cut back um, because this is the wide zone scheme. But then they also really like having that explosive playmaker like Elijah Mitchell. You can go back to Clinton Portis and A-Chain's not Clinton Portis, but you even saw Tatum Bell is a, is a name. If folks have been playing fantasy long enough, you probably thought, oh my God, Tatum Bell is going to be the next greatest thing. That was back with the Denver Broncos with Mike Shanahan. So he fits into that to that kind of mold of running back. And I really could see someone like the dolphins wanting to take a swing on him. He's more likely at this point to be the kind of guy that would be available in the second round okay. at their pick versus Gibbs, a guy that's climbing the board, but a chain, I think, you know, he's he, his hit rates, not going to be as high. You do need a, a creative schemer. He needs to land somewhere like that. He's got less of a chance of truly turning into an every down back like Gibbs, like with Gibbs, I kind of brush that off a little bit. I'm like, you know, we've seen enough guys at his size actually do it. Once you're talking about this size of 188, it's a little tougher, but we have to remind yeah. ourselves these guys aren't finished products. Like this guy can put on some weight. There's a lot of paths, right, for him to really turning into something more at the next level. But he's got the big thing, Kendall, is what you mentioned. His explosive playability is the thing that the coaches at the next level will fall in love with. And it was a big part of why he graded so high in the fantasy life run, running back supermodel. I feel like a chain too, especially smaller players have are able to fit into prominent roles in the NFL, but you have to be around a coaching staff that trusts you to do it, especially your first year. So with, with a chain, it almost feels like it's really, I'm, we're really curious to see where he goes, where the fit is, because if he's able to do it, uh, you know, there's, there's the risk too, that I've read, uh, after going through your work, Dwayne is just like maybe being pigeonholed into that, you know, passing down role with not a lot of carries, not a lot of goal line work. Work, maybe because of his side, maybe because size, maybe because they know how speedy he is. So I saw names come up like like a Naheem Hines type of role that could be that could impact fantasy very well, but maybe it's not something we necessarily love to hear. Yeah, Michael Carter was a name that came up in okay. the model, right? So you remember Michael Carter was kind of a, a name we had a lot of buzz around last year, and then you know Brees Hall got drafted. Um, so I yeah, I I do worry that he gets pigeonholed into a smaller role, but if he can be the passing down back and he has that explosive play rate, you don't, not every back has to have 300 touches to give you value in fantasy. So I do think that a chain is one of those guys that can do more with less. He's not the same kind of target earner as Gibbs. He's not on that CMC Camara level. He's going to have to grow in that area. He was slightly above average as far as being a target earner. Um, but he's definitely got the speed and the ability to eliminate angles. And so if coaches can find a way to get him into the right space, at the right time, it can be something that could really be beneficial to their offense. And he's got a great name too. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, he's, he's just got a great, he's just got a great name. name. Oh, who'd you, who'd you draw? Oh, I got, got Devin A chain. That's, that's who I have. Like I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready to go just with, with the name alone and the speed. It, it makes me excited. So it, it'll be, it'll be fun to see where he lands. And I know Dwayne, uh, again, fantasylife.com is where everyone can go and check out these, uh, RB tiers, but I want to get into some potential sleepers in this 2023 class. We went through your tier one, two, and three, and now we've got a couple names going out there. So I'll let you I'll let you decide which one you want to go through first 
Yeah, there are a few that um, our model likes above consensus, but the first one is really Dwayne McBride. So he's out of UAB. Now okay. he played against lesser competition, didn't really play a lot against Power 5, so that gets factored into the model. Um, but, I mean, all we can do is just look at what he did, you know, with the competition in front of him. He can't necessarily help who he played against, but, like, his 10-plus yard rush rate, 20%, that's 73rd percentile. Missed tackles force per attempt, 0.26, that's 88th percentile. Average yards okay. after contact, 4.93, 86th percentile. Now, again, the model downgrades all of these numbers because of the fact he didn't play against the big schools. But that's a really, really robust profile. Now, he was a three-star guy. He's not the same. Everybody else we've talked about so far has been a four- or a five-star prospect. Um, well, Bijan was a five-star. The other guys we've talked about was, were four-star prospects coming out of high school. So McBride, three-star is still not bad. Like, that's, that's a good prospect. It's not a great prospect, you know, in the recruiting world, if you guys are familiar with some of the terminology there. Um, he was not very active in the passing game. So I think that's the big, you know, the fact that he played against smaller competition, the fact that he never was able to garner targets is a red flag because a lot of times guys that don't do it in college can't do it at the next level. It's not always the case, but it can be an indicator of what their receiving profile is going to look like at the next level. So his 6% targets per route run, that's really low. So with him, you really are looking for a landing spot kind of thing. Like if for some reason the Titans okay. traded Derrick Henry, and he landed on on the Titans, like I would be super excited. <laughs> like, okay, because, all right. Like, you could see this guy coming in <laughs> and getting 250, 300 carries. And I will say, like, you know, look, if you didn't account, if you didn't take his school into account, like he would be 91st percentile in the model. But like the model's pushing him down to the 73rd percentile because of all the factors that we talked about. So it really is you know, counting off a lot for where he played school, but he still comes out as being a guy that lands in tier four, which me makes him someone that I'm really interested in taking a swing on late later in drafts. Um, we're definitely, like I said, higher than everyone else, but I think there's some potential upside here. It's also a guy like if you look at um, Dane Brugler, Lance Zierlein, they mm -hmm. had really positive things. Zierlein has him as his running back nine, you know, in his class, as far as, you know, whenever he watches the film, AJ Dillon is a name that, oh, you know, really came okay. up in the model. Now I know AJ Dillon's had to share time, with Aaron Jones, but I think people can clearly see AJ Dillon's got something to his game. If he could ever have that backfield to himself, we would be pretty excited about him. I think Dwayne McBride could end up being someone in a similar range of the conversation to what we talk about with AJ Dillon. Should he ever have a chance to play there by himself without Aaron Jones? Yeah. And you talk, you talked about his strengths. Look at looking him up now, you know, the, the contact balance with the ability to keep the legs alive, the one over a thousand rushing yards after contact in 2022. I think when you look at a guy like Dwayne McBride, you just kind of say, okay. And you already said it, Dwayne, the unproven pass catcher and blocker element is what's going to keep him kind of lowered on people's lists. But if you can look past that, like you said, with, with a lot of these guys towards the end of your tiers, it's really about fit and scheme and where they end up. So if you have someone that is going to be in a little bit of a restricted NFL role, but has the ability to get better depending on, you know, we never want injuries, but depending on what happens, depending on who's in front of him and who he learns from, I don't know, it could be a fun one. And I know you didn't just pick him because you guys kind of have the same name. So I, it's, you know, there's a different, <laughs> no, there's a different I, element there. It's not just the name thing. <laughs> It's spelled different, so and it's D-W-A-Y-N-E -E instead of D-W-A-I-N. <laughs> I mean, I was going to give him extra points, you know, in the model, but I, I didn't because, sorry, Dwayne, it wasn't spelled the same way as me. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, and another name like Kendall is Zach Evans out of okay. Ole Miss. Was originally recruited to TCU. And so he's kind of different than, than McBride. Like this is a guy that was uber talented coming out of high school. He was the number two running back prospect the year that Bijan was number one. Just wow. to kind of give you a little context. You know, so this is in the nation. He battled a lot of injuries, went to TCU, played for two years. He actually broke out in his sophomore year. He only, only played six games due to an injury, um, but he had a 2.47 average yards per team um, attempt that year, which is really good. And it looked like he was kind of on his way. He transferred to Ole Miss and he battled injuries again in his junior season, which was his last year. Um, and so things just kind of telled off for him. But like when we look at his underlying data points beyond like just that stuff, like very explosive, 85th, 81st percentile explosive rush rate. So again, those are carries of 10 plus yards or more. He was at 21%. Um, so that kind of ties back. This is a five-star guy. He's shown that he mm -hmm. can do these things. And also like his average yards after contact, if we're just comparing him to the other power five backs in the draft, he ranked number two behind only Bijan Robinson. So wow. this is a guy that came out of school right behind Bijan. And if we kind of squint and we look at, okay, what might've been his total portfolio of work if he hadn't have been injured. And I think, you know, the explosive play rate, his ability after contact, all of those sort of things rank, you know, they look good for him. He was also above average as a receiver. So his 18% okay. targets per route run. 15% is about the average that we see for some of these guys, well, not just for some of them, for the ones coming out of college declaring for the draft. So he was above that. He wasn't like a target magnet, but that's in the same range as A-Chain, a guy that's getting talked about as a receiving back. So for me with Zach Evans, he's actually my favorite one um, out of the kind of out of the sleepers. There's several that fit into this tier. Like you said, folks can go check it out. Go check out tier four over on fantasylife.com and you'll see the rest of these names, but that's definitely another one for me. Yeah, it looks like, I mean, with all the strengths that you said, the sleek, more balanced runner with that big athletic build. And honestly, anyone that you can, you can say Bijan Robinson's name and anyone that you say after it, if he's in the same sentence, I feel like that's something <laughs> that you, that you have to remember. Uh, it's kind of like when Sean McVay, everyone that was getting hired after they worked with Sean McVay, you could have stepped in an elevator. And then if I said that I was in an elevator with Sean McVay, they would have said, okay, you're hired. It's perfect. So anyone that you have around him, but I do like that he's one of your favorite ones because again, it's it's those undeveloped areas uh, on his resume that will make it a little bit tougher in the NFL. But there's that burst and the balance that he has to be more explosive with some of those other guys. I like that one. I like that one. And I'm going to put it on a graphic for you, too. So I'm going to make sure you like it because like it. it's going to it's going to be, hey, here, here are the sleepers for Dwayne. But we've got one more sleeper that I wanted to hit on, too. And I will say, you know, before we get into the you know data that you have on Sean Tucker, uh, we did get a report. I want to say it was Sunday night from uh, from the athletics saying that Sean Tucker was found to have an ongoing heart issue when he was evaluated in Indianapolis ahead of the combine in February. Um, you know, executives have said this sounds like it is not going away and that, you know, quote this again, quote, he could be done. So I wanted to preface this before we talk about Sean Tucker, that there could be uh, some health things with him coming out of Syracuse. So we'll kind of monitor that and see what happens. But he was also another sleeper that you had kind of liked as well. Yeah, for sure. And like, number one, like we just hope Sean Tucker's fine. Yeah. We hope that he's healthy. This is something that he can recover from that he can play. I will say he did go ahead and have his pro day. Okay. Um, and so he came out and did some things there. So I thought that that was a positive thing for him. Um, 
the model really gravitated to him because you, you know, we, you heard me talk about earlier, like draft capitals, number one, but the second closest thing, and it's not really close. Like this is the second best thing in the model is your adjusted yards per team attempt, which is again, taking your rush yards plus your receiving yards times two, dividing that by the team attempts. And the nice thing that the supermodel does is we get rid of quarterback scrambles, which get counted as rushes. It gets rid of sacks, which count towards rushing plays in college because of the way that the college rules work. So it, it gets rid of those things and helps isolate better to the, to the plays where really the running back would have had an opportunity to be part right of, of mm -hmm. a, a design rushing attempt or design target attempt, if you will. But if you look at him, you know, that number was 2.43 over his career and his 2.88 was his best season. Those were both good enough to rank third in this class overall in, in both of those categories. So that's what pulled him up so much. This is a guy that was very productive in college. Once you normalize the data for the team that he played on, it was also still very productive. Now, I will say once he had the ball in his hands, he was not as explosive as guys like Zach Evans. You know, he was not able to do okay. some of the things we saw Dwayne McBride do. Now, again, McBride got to play against lesser competition. Tucker at Syracuse did play against more power five competition. Um, but so 10 plus rush yard rate was 16 percent. Um, that's 54th percentile. Missed tackles force per attempt, 0 0.20. That's 56th percentile. Average yards after contact, 3.51, 44th percentile. So this is one of those backs that was really productive at college, but some of the underlying efficiency metrics that we like that do matter in the model, he didn't score as well. So you'll see that a lot with these guys in the middle tiers. They kind of have a, it's like a bifurcated profile. Like either they weren't really productive but like their efficiency metrics make you wonder, oh, wow, like what if they got more? Like they could be really good. And then there are the other guys like Tucker where it's like, wow, like he was really productive in college, but like can he do it at the next level? Mm -hmm. Because some of the things, a lot of the things we see associated with the top prospects that make it at the next level, like from an efficiency standpoint, he doesn't have. So he does fit into tier four with those other guys. The medicals, it will be interesting to see that could hurt his draft capital um, a lot whenever it comes you know, down to what happens later this week. But we'll have to wait and see again. A very productive guy in college, though. So it's it's still a name that I really like. Yeah. And it seems like also a name that maybe he can be someone that adds value in the passing game. Maybe he can be someone yes, that can. projects as, you know, maybe one of those change change of pace backs that you see, OK, we're going to, you know, we're going to change it up depending on where he goes. But that's kind of what came up when I was looking through him when you said that he is also one of your sleepers is, is someone that can add value there, which is really yeah. important when we're talking about fantasy. And typically, to get to that really good um, adjusted yards per, you know, adjusted total yards per team attempt, you need to be pretty good in the passing game, too. Occasionally, you'll have guys that are just really great, you know, just on the ground that will score well in that metric. But that's one of the things I like about it is because, again, you're multiplying receiving yards times two. And so it's really trying to catch that. But to your point, mm -hmm. Tucker's career target um, share was 12%. That's well above the average of 6%. For running back prospects since 2017 so he was a plus in the passing game and i thought uh the comp and the model was really interesting. and this is another guy this is a guy that was undrafted but it's james robinson so james robinson okay. was the number one comp for tucker in the model i like that i like that it's better some somewhat better than philip Lindsay at some point so i think that's good 
you're like, like yeah, you're like, well, Dwayne, that's definitely better <laughs> than Royce Freeman. So like we, we started with Royce Freeman, so we're just getting I better. I didn't mention Trey go. Sermon. Trey Sermon was a, a was okay, a okay, for another fine. player on here, but I just left it off because I was like, All okay, right, that's gonna, fine. Gonna yeah, kill me don't do it. it, don't do it. Everyone listening knows they, they know Dwayne McFarland and they know that when you comp someone, it sometimes you just kind of got to bring it up later. You gotta well, give I, the range, you got to give the range. I know, I know, we love the positives, but we like the positives. We, we're that's why I'm trying to be positive. I'm like, yeah, Philip Lindsay, let's hype it up. I think he's in the XFL now, right? I think I saw news. Did you hey, see Lindsay that? Lindsay was a good player for a couple. No, he years. was. Yep. Yeah, but he, he didn't was. have draft capital, and eventually and that can catch up with you, especially tough. if the coaching staff changes and things like that. So it's tough. Again, fantasylive.com is where you can check out the supermodel running back tiers. You have to see the photo that is associated with the supermodel running back tiers. You have to see uh, Dwayne all dressed up. Dwayne, I don't. Do you do you are do you get a pod before the uh, do the the draft, or is this the last pod that we're doing before the draft? I think it is. No, I've I've got oh, one, one more. We've got one, one more. more. Marcus okay. and I will be doing one. Um, well, so I'm gonna I'm gonna then I'm me. gonna I don't care. I, I if he asks you the same question, I'm gonna ask for one thing that I did not tell you I was going to do. But do you okay. have any do you have any hot take? Anything that you think is gonna happen? Hey, I'm gonna put this out there. If you have a my guy, if you have a I think this trade is gonna go down. What do you think is gonna happen uh, during the night of the NFL draft? First night Thursday. Um, honestly, like. I know Elliot's our guy on that. Like he just put up his version three of the he mock did. draft. And like, so I lean a lot into what Elliot does. You guys, <laughs> it just went up today. You guys should go, should go check that out. But I do think it's going to be something interesting at the top um, mm -hmm. where I think there's enough noise now around the way the quarterbacks are playing out. Like, you know, at one point everybody just thought, Oh, it's going to be quarterback one, two, three, four. I, I feel like one of those quarterbacks is going to slide that that's, that's my guess. Now, whether it's like Anthony it. Richardson, whether it's, you know, Will Levis, whether it's CJ Stroud, something surprising, I think we're pretty locked into Bryce Young at one, but I think it's going to be one of those deals where we're looking up and we're like, it won't be Malik Willis, right? Where last year everybody thought he was going to be a first round pick and he went in the third, so maybe bad. more, maybe more along the lines of the year Aaron Rodgers, right? And okay. Alex Smith were in the same draft class together and Rodgers was supposed to be like a top three pick and he didn't go till the end of the first round. I think that's going to happen with one of these quarterbacks that we're thinking is a top four right now. I, I can't, I can't tell you which one I think it's going to be, but I think that I think that we're going to see one of the quarterbacks slide. I like it. I like, I put you on the spot, so I didn't. You know, no, I, okay. I love. I, it's you great know, for Elliot the Bucks. puts Seems yeah, like that. Like, exactly. Know. Elliot puts out great stuff, so you can go check out the uh, version three. I think mock mock draft. It's the last one before the draft, and we're going to have. You know, we're going to be back together, Dwayne, on Thursday, which is really exciting. So make sure you're following us at MB Fantasy Life for all the updates. We're going to do. Uh, the draft it's just going to be it's going to be a good night full of a uh, full of all of our favorite people so we'll be excited to go do that Dwayne thanks for letting me thanks for letting me jump on the pod with you it was it was fun whatever it was thanks for coming <laughs> and you know making the show better come on Kim. oh there we go there we go all right well you're you guys are going to get another podcast before the NFL draft but if we don't hear from you then have a have a good draft and appreciate y'all listening